Well, good morning, everybody. Still got 32 minutes left of morning, so I'm going to use it. Seems like everybody's doing great today. Good to see all of you. Uh, I'm excited to be here at church. Welcome to Zion. For those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Justin. I'm the pastor here, and uh, we are going through a series on Proverbs right now. It's been a lot of fun to kind of go through the different topics of Proverbs and really get at the heart of of what Proverbs was trying to speak to us. And today we have the awesome topic. I love this one. We're talking about the sluggard. The sluggard. This is great. So we're going to be talking a lot about work today. Uh, And... The, the fact is that God cares deeply about our work, cares deeply about what we do, how we do it. And oftentimes this is unheard of when we speak about what God cares about and what God cares about how we do things in life. And so that's what is, is going to be fun today because Proverbs really has a lot of fun with this topic and we'll see that uh, soon. But the first kind of place that I want to start uh, in today's message. By the way, can we give it up for the worship team, for Chris and his wife that did an awesome job. Uh, So where I want to go with today is to the very beginning, the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis. And we read in Genesis, that's where God created the earth, the heavens and everything in them. Uh, But when God did that, he also taught us about his work ethic. We got to see how God works. And we really learned two things about his work ethic. We learned that God works hard and that God knows how to rest. And, And from the very beginning, as we learn about God, we get to kind of learn his ethic about these things and and that gets fleshed out as we're going to read in Proverbs but it's really important to understand in the beginning we read that God worked six days and six days he created everything right and each day there's the seas made the creatures made the uh, the animals and then on the sixth day he creates humans and then it says on the seventh day what did God do he rested That day of rest actually becomes a commandment in the law, uh, and it's called the Sabbath. That's what we call it now. If you, you know, any anybody that's been around Christians long enough, you get that in your Christian lingo and your in your jargon. You're like, I'm on my Sabbath today, and that's their excuse for not answering your text messages or answering your calls or things. At least that's my excuse, and I'm on my Sabbath. (laughs) Now you know exactly, Uh, but. The very beginning, we see this kind of Judeo-Christian attitude towards work at play. Uh, That one, we are supposed to work hard, right? Working hard is working six out of seven days. And then taking, but the other thing that we learn is that we can't be workaholics. That we can't work all seven days. That when we work ourselves, and we're not created to work 24-7 every single day to keep on going. That God programmed in us. Needs for rest. It's actually good that uh, scientifically they've done studies on this that if you do have the appropriate amount of rest in your life built in like a Sabbath, what happens is you work better the other six days. So if you worked all seven days, you know, your eight to 12 hour days, you actually get less work done than if you did rest well one day and worked uh, for six days. Um, 
And so I remember how I kind of learned about this was a lot for me in college. Uh, you know, in my pre-Christ days, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, my pre-Christ days, I was Mr. Procrastinator. Any procrastinators we have in the room? I love it. I love the honesty. <laughs> we got a lot. Some two-handers going up. I mean, I was Mr. Procrastinator. So, you know, essentially, if somebody asked me to do something, uh, you know, it was like, what is like the, the line that I can like get right to the line? If you know anything about procrastinators, usually we wait for the line and then we cross the line by accident because we thought we can get four hours of work done in five minutes. Um, but I, I remember what happened when was when God started to really transform my life, when I really gave my life to God, something changed about my work habits too. Something changed about how I viewed work and the joy that I had in work, quite honestly. Uh, and I saw this at play in college because I'm not a naturally good test taker. If you are a naturally good test taker, don't tell me. Uh, there are a few of you that I know that you are, and it just forms jealousy in my heart, and I'm trying to stay away from sin, especially as I'm preaching right now. Uh, and you know, I want to keep that temptation for another day, but I am not a naturally good test taker. Uh, you know, the, the, I've had friends that essentially will like not study for at all, go in, sit down, like take a test, and boom, I told you not to tell me because I'm gonna be jealous of you now. And boom, they take the test and it's like, oh, I got a I got 100 average, and I'm just like, I hate you, don't wanna talk to you anymore. I was never that guy, I had to really work hard to do well in school, but procrastination and not being a good test taker uh, is not a good combination, and so I always did very poorly in school. But when God changed something about my work habits, I remember getting in college, I started to do well because I started to study uh, and actually care about the work that I was doing in school. Uh, but something that one of my mentors, uh, Sophia Gabri at the time, she taught me about Sabbathing well. Uh, and this was not really a concept that I had heard a lot because in our culture today, you just hear about Many times working hard and, you know, trying to get everything done. And so when she taught me the Sabbath, it actually taught me to work even better. Uh, because essentially what happened was I was volunteering at my church. I had a part-time job and I was full-time in college. If you're doing all those three things, you have a lot on your plate, right? Uh, I went to a CUNY and essentially everybody that goes to CUNY has a part-time job as well. While they're going to CUNY, it's one of the things I love about CUNY. Uh, but something that was different that I saw that God started to do in my heart was taking the Sabbath day off and resting uh, for an entire day and not doing any studying, not doing any work, uh, spending time with God. And that was my post-Christ day fruit, that work, studying, volunteering six days a week and resting, no work, school volunteer, I started to have a much better understanding of what it means to take work seriously, but also take rest seriously. But today in Proverbs, as kind of intro understanding and ethic of work in Scripture, we're going to talk about, as I said, the sluggard. Now, the sluggard is the lazy, the procrastinator who ends up destitute, who ends up robbed, and at the end of their days ends up in this impossible situation. This is kind of where the sluggard goes, but... How that person gets there is the fun part and, and actually is pretty funny because Proverbs just kind of 
it's com- gets to a comical level whenever talking about the sluggard. And we, we kind of first see that in Proverbs 26, 14. It says, as a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. And what this means is it's so hard for the sluggard to get out of bed. It's literally that the person is, is not... It's not just like weighed down in their bed, but it's hinged to their bed so that they're like a door flapping back and forth, trying to get out of bed, turning from side to side, that they cannot get out because the bed is too comfortable. And we, we see this kind of comedy at play and being worked on in Proverbs whenever talking about the sluggard, because a lot of things that the sluggard does is funny and what they say is funny. But what we see that is not funny is where... They end up. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some characteristics, a few main characteristics of how the sluggard is defined. The first one that we'll begin things with is in Proverbs 6, verse 9 and 10. It says, how long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. So this is the procrastinator. Yeah, just a little more time, right? A little more time. I'll get to it eventually. Weeks, months, years down the road. You know, for me, this is the this is my Christmas wreath every year. If you go to my house right now, you will find my Christmas wreath hanging jolly from my welcome door. I know that. Every time I see it, I think, okay, I'm going to take my wreath down later. And I do this dancing game until about August, September, where my wreath is completely brown, dried out, and dead. And then I'm just like, it's no longer jolly. You know, it's not green anymore. This is just sad. It's a sign of death every time someone enters into my house. You know, it's like, welcome to doom, right? And so that's when I finally, all right, let me me get rid of this. But this this is the procrastinator, you know, a little sleep. A little more slumber, a little folding of the hands. Just... <laughs> Stephanie really liked that one. Right, how long will you lie there, oh slugger? I'll get to it in a little while. Let me just stay on the couch for a few more minutes. Let me just lay down here. Let me just twiddle my thumbs for a little bit longer. I will get there. This is the quintessential characteristic of the slugger. The procrastinator is just give me some more time. Let me lay here. Let me twiddle my thumbs. Let me fold my hands. Let me get a little bit more sleep, a little bit more slumber. And I will get to it, dot, 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 eventually. The second characteristic that we see of the sluggard is that they will not finish things. So Proverbs 26, 15, it says, The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. (laughs) So it's literally that the person went down with a spoon to pick up some food and got tired, so tired that they didn't feel like bringing the spoon back to their mouth. It was just, let me just leave my hand there. It's just too much work. To bring the spoon back to my mouth and to eat, which is what this proverb is talking about, is it's too much effort when you start something to finish something. We see this again in Proverbs 12, verse 27. It says, whoever is slothful slothful, will roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious. Wait, sorry, sorry, I read that wrong. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, 
But the diligent man will get precious wealth. So what is game? Game means that this person went out, got excited to go out hunting, went and got, you know, killed something, captured something, brought the game back home. That's what game is. But then didn't roast it, got too tired, got a little too lazy. It's like, ah, I don't feel like finishing that. So now how many times do we start things in our life? We get really excited about it. We're ready to go. We're, we're amped up. We tell everybody we know about, oh, I'm starting this new initiative. I'm starting this new thing. We, we get a little into it. And it's like, ah, I don't feel like doing this anymore. Right? I always think of New Year's resolutions when I think about this. Because I love New Year's resolution because it's like, I'm going to lose 50 pounds, I'm going to learn the guitar, and then I'm going to read for an hour and a day. And it's like, bro, you don't even read 10 minutes a week. <laughs> and you're going to read an hour a day plus do all the extra stuff? That doesn't make any sense. And what this is, is this is a symptom in, in, in our hearts of overpromising a lot of times, of, of, of being distracted. Right? We think of... Like, we, we just want to be successful. We want everybody to think good of us. And, and so we talk a lot. We start things because we think, oh, I'm not, not doing enough or I want to accomplish this or I want to accomplish that. And then we, we get to it and then what happens is we don't finish. Part of that reason, I think, today's day and age is just the heightened sense of distraction that we have. Yeah, it's a, let me spend some time meditating on God, right? I don't know if this happens to anybody else. Sometimes I'll be like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set aside like this hour and I'm just going to uh, pray. And I forget to turn off my phone. It's like, oh, someone text me. And it's like, oh, Instagram. Oh, new show on Netflix. You know, it's just like, all the, oh, you know, I, all of a sudden, like I'm trying to turn my mind off. I'm trying to pray. And then all these things, it's like, oh, I forgot about, you know, like. This is an hour, an hour. Like, I, I can talk to this person. I can check my email. I can check people's Instagram stories. I can, you know, scroll around on Pinterest. I can, whatever it is. But we live in a day that it's almost impossible not to get distracted. What happens is a lot of times we begin something. is like, I'll begin to pray. And then the slugger to me will come out because, you know, sometimes it's, Hard to sit still, to unwind, to quiet my heart, to quiet my mind, to turn off the distractions of this world and actually focus on Christ and focus on his word and be alone with him. It's like putting my hand into the dish, like getting that bowl of cereal, like I'm ready to eat some Reese's Puffs. Right? Anybody like Reese's Puffs? That's my, that's my go-to right there that I'm talking about. I had some last night. But I, I started this, it's really good. Ah, I'm tired. Netflix just seems so great right now. Let me, oh, this person texts me. Or I think I got some work emails I need to take care of or whatever it is that comes our way. But what happens is the slugger, the person inside of us says we characteristically start things, but we do not bring them into completion. We don't have the discipline, the ethic, the responsibility to say, I said I was going to do this, and so now I'm going to finish this. I've even had people tell me this, and this is when we first talked about Proverbs, in the intro of Proverbs, I said, you know, we're going to learn the difference between personality and character. 
And I've had people tell me their personality is, is good at starting things. Oh, I'm entrepreneurial. And, but I, I don't like to finish what I start. And I'm like, and what's true about that is, no, that's not a personality. It's character that you need to work on. Because a lot of times what we do is we get caught up in the honeymoon phase. And I think we see this a lot actually in marriage is we get a lot of the goosebumps of being something new, something interesting, something to explore. And then we've explored, it's no longer new, and then we don't like it anymore. And we get through the honeymoon phase, which is like the excitement of the honeymoon of being alone together for a few weeks and a lot of newness in the relationship and time together. But then after that, you realize like, oh, you know, that, that person, you know, smells this way at six in the morning, you know? <laughs> I didn't know that before. Or they chew with their mouth open. Like I, I, I'm, like, I don't think I can live with somebody who chews with their mouth open for the rest of my life, you know? Or, like, uh, oh, oh, like, you know, that's how you, re, you know, react to somebody that, you know, when you're driving or, like, did, I didn't realize you complained so much. I was never around you all that time, you know? Like, these are the things that happen. We get over the, the honeymoon phase of, like, yeah, it's really exciting to tell people I'm going to start something or to start something and... To have the, the joy of newness, but it's not really fun to finish something, to bring it to completion, to do the, the hard, mundane work of pushing through so-called, quote-unquote, happiness and not being happy about something anymore, not, not feeling excitement about something, but still having the character of God to finish something. And the, the last characteristic that we see here is always having an excuse. The sluggard always has an excuse. Proverbs twenty two thirteen says this. The sluggard says, there's a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. This is the equivalent of saying the cat ate my homework to your teacher. Right? This is somewhat possible, somewhat possible, but incredibly unlikely. Somewhat possible, incredibly unlikely, right? The, the sluggard always has an excuse for why they didn't finish something, for why it took so long, or why they're not doing it anymore. Why they didn't get up and out of their bed. Because there's a lion outside. Yeah, it was possible there's a lion outside, but this is really the, the sage kind of making fun of the sluggard, of like they just come out with this wild, outlandish excuse. you ever have an excuse so bad that you're just like, they're not going to believe that? <laughs> like, you know, or, or you call your boss for a sick day and like you don't even bother pretending to be sick or, or you forgot like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sick today. <laughs> I'm sick today. <laughs> no, no one's ever done that before. Okay. Y'all liars. I know y'all have done that before. <laughs> hey. Always an excuse. Another one that I love is Proverbs 24. It says, The sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. Right? Taking the soft choice of, oh, in autumn it's still a little bit cold. You know, it's not as nice to go outside. It's, you know, you still have these, uh, I saw a funny meme the other day, like the, the, the seasons in New York. You get winter and then you get false spring, you know, and then you get... <laughs> Second winter, and then you get another fall, spring, and then, you know, the end of winter actually comes. And, like, right now we're somewhere in the middle of, like, a false spring, and, you know, winter's here today. And yesterday it was, like, 51 degrees outside. 
But the slugger will always have an excuse. Yeah, it's, it's cold outside. Right? Yeah. But when harvest comes, right? When the reward comes, when I want to go outside, it's like, yo, where's my food? I don't want to plow in autumn. I don't want to actually do the work of the hard work of reaping a harvest. But when the harvest comes, I'm going to go out entitled, expecting. Where's my food? You ever have somebody do that to you? That, you know, they came in, at the, swooped in in the last minute and is like, you didn't work on this project. Why are you saying congratulations to yourself right now? Right? Everybody have a team like that? Right? Am I being too real for some of you right now? What happens is when, when you continue to make excuses, when you continue to lie and say, well, I, I didn't want to go to work today uh, because of this, or I, I didn't want to get it done today because of that, what happens is you begin to believe your own excuses and they become a fictitious reality in your own mind. It says in Proverbs 26, 16, the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Yeah, you know what? It is too cold outside. It is. You know what? I could actually die if I went to work today. You know, people have died on their way to work before. You know, maybe I do need some extra rest. You know, I was on BuzzFeed the other day and, and they said this doctor did a study that you need 10 hours of sleep. And if you don't get 10 hours of sleep, then, you know, you're taking 20 years off your life. Maybe, maybe I do need the 10 hours of sleep. I, I, should, I should stay in bed and, and, and be late and kind of shirk off my responsibilities. Yeah, that sounds great. And we start to believe the lie, the excuse that we've, we first were feeding others, but now we're feeding ourselves. And, and when other people are like, you know, that doesn't sound right. It's like, no, I know what I'm talking about. You know, there's germs on the subway. I could die. <laughs> exactly, you know, there, there's a lion outside. No, it's, it's kind of cold, you know, there's no reason for me to be doing this work outside. You know, I shouldn't be. I, need, I, I needed a day. It's okay if I'm not actually sick and I called my boss and told him I'm sick. I just needed a day. Right? We, we tell ourselves these things oh, it's okay to lie, it's okay to not work. It's, it, it's okay to fabricate the truth a little, do a little exaggeration, never hurt anybody. You know the difference between a white lie and a black lie? Like, first of all, that's racist, okay? <laughs> Second of all, that is not in the Bible, okay? <laughs> like, there, there's no reason. What happens is we begin to believe the excuses that and we become wise and man I wonder why they don't see it this way like I wonder why my boss doesn't see it the way I do that I should be able to come in whenever I want you know I, I wonder why you know my friends get mad at me when I tell them I'm going to do something and I don't show up I, you know I don't, I don't understand don't, don't they know that at 10 hours of sleep BuzzFeed they told me this like you, you're, you are causing me harm they are wiser in their own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. But what happens is at this point, the fruit of that labor begins to grow up around the slugger. They have, they have been sowing seeds. They have been putting into the ground 
And what happens is the fruit of that life begins to come. Their choices, our choices, begin to manifest into a physical and spiritual reality. In Proverbs 15, 19, it says this. The way of the sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright or the honest is a level highway. See, what happens is the lies, they grow up and they mature and it creates a a pathway in life that is now full of thorns, a hedge of thorns that is is no longer easy to get through. You ever have a, a web of lies that you've created around yourself and now it's hard to walk forward like, man, who did I tell this lie to and who did I tell that lie to? And when did I say I was going to be here not doing this? And can I post this Instagram story? Do I have to exclude this person from it now? Or yeah, I remember like screenshotting Snapchat was a thing. Like, yo, you told me you were home tired and I see you out clubbing right now. Like, what's up with that? Right? Like the, the web of lies, the deceit that we tell ourselves that the, that the slugger creates for themselves grows up and it matures. And it makes a way of life that becomes full of thorns, hard to cross, hard to walk, almost impossible to go forward. See, what happens is wisdom understands that the choices that we make today have consequences for the life that we live tomorrow. The choices that we make today have consequences for the life that we live tomorrow. Right at, at 20, we may have decided I'm, I'm going to party instead of study. That may mean it's harder to get a job at 25, harder to have a career at 30. Right. The choices that we make grow up. They have consequences. They mature into a hedge of thorns that begins to choke us, begins to hurt us. That it, it, thorns my mom, for some reason, loved growing rose bushes, you know, when I was growing up. Anybody, if anybody's ever had a rose bush, you know, they look great when you get a rose from the store, but they are not fun uh, to tame in the backyard. I know this because they're my mom's rose bushes, but my job. <laughs> right? And so every summer, every like three weeks in the summer, I had to cut the rose bushes. And I learned really quickly that if I do not wear really thick gloves, then I'm going to be bleeding and in pain. And sometimes I would forget, like, I would put all the, the thorns in the, the bag and i take off my gloves and think I was done and I would think, oh, let me just squish this bag a little bit. You know, there's always a way that the thorns got me because I want to get some more stuff in there and I'd squish it and just like, ah! you know, just scream at the top of my lungs like, what am I doing? Or I can get that one piece, it won't be a problem. Didn't see the thorn and just like gashes me in my hand. And that, when you work with thorns, what you need to realize is you're going to get hurt. It starts to become painful. And a hedge of thorns is a lot of thorns. If you try to walk through a hedge and it is full of thorns, you are not going to survive that experience. It is going to be painful. It's going to clutter your path ahead. And that's what our decisions, that's what they do to us when we act like the sluggard, when we procrastinate, when we don't finish things, when we begin to believe our own lies and our excuses, the, the fruit of those decisions begin to grow up. You know, we, we think that, well, you know, at, at that time, uh, I w- I w- I'm tired. 
We rationalize things in my head. How do I feel right now? It's, it's too hard right now. I'm too tired right now. I don't feel like it. Right? And these are ways that we have rationalized in our head the excuses to not work, to push off and shirk responsibility. In Proverbs 24.30 to 34 says this. This is the end of the sluggard. It says, the wise man, he says, I pass by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. What the writer is trying to get across here is this, is that this is no freak accident. This is not something that was calamity that happened overnight that, you know, that this is a oh, one in a million chance. This is not that. This is something that took time, that allowed something to grow, that there was erosion, stone, strong foundation broken down. This happens to ordinary people. One too many excuses, too many refusals, too many postponements, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. When I think of this, I, I think, man, imagine, imagine if, if this was the story of Jesus. Can you imagine if Jesus woke up most mornings and went, man, I'm tired. I don't feel like working today. All right, the night that Jesus was betrayed, what did he do? He prayed in the garden all night. The night that he was led to the cross, if instead of praying that night, pulling an all-nighter to pray like he was led to do, Instead of pushing through to the cross that night, imagine instead he went to bed and slept. He was justified. He had every excuse to be. It's nighttime, buddy. I'm tired. Right, he went to his disciples and they were asleep. He kept waking them up. Guys, what are you doing? You're supposed to be praying with me. But every time he went back, he came back. They were asleep. And in our life, the decisions that we have made, they may not seem like, hey, these are bad decisions. We may think in the moment, man, I'm just too tired right now. Or I don't want to do it right now. Or, you know, I'll do it tomorrow. It's, it, this, seems, this seems too hard. And we begin to make decisions like this. And what happens is when we, we, we make these excuses and then for today, and then again, we make those excuses tomorrow. Well, actually, I'm feeling this way right now, and I'm feeling a different way right now. And, and then tomorrow, I'm feeling a different way, and I, I don't want to do it again. What happens is when the wise man passed by, he looks at the house and he says he learned. He understood what happened. That over time, there was too many excuses. There was too many postponements. There's too many refusals. And the thorns grew up. They broke the house and it was crumbling. 
I think if Jesus just said, maybe we'll do this tomorrow. You know, maybe I don't want to pray tonight, guys. I'm going to sleep. If you say, you know, this is hard work. He didn't even have somewhere to live. It says that foxes have holes, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head at night. That was what he told somebody when they said they wanted to follow him. Right nowadays, it's like, oh, you want to follow Jesus? Sure. You know, here's, you know, here's a raise that you're going to get. Here's extra blessing that you're going to get. Here's a happy life that you're going to get. Jesus is like, you want to follow me? I had nowhere to lay my head. Are you sure you want to follow me? Jesus put in work. When I look at the example of Christ, I see a man who brought his work to completion. When he, right before he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. Even when he didn't want to go to that place. Do you know he was praying that night before? He was praying and he said, God, take this cup from me. But your will be done and not mine. Three times he prayed, Lord, take this cup from me. The cup of God's wrath that he was going to take on his own body. Do you understand the kind of job description that Jesus was given? The kind of work that he was given? What it, what it was like for him to see his job through? That it meant pain. It meant suffering. It meant hardship. For years going around. When he could have stopped and taken in the glory of the crowd when they were cheering on his name, he would say, no, I have others to go to. I need to fulfill my mission. And he would, again, begin to travel. But even when he didn't want to, when he prayed, God, take this cup to me three times. And when he prayed, it says in scripture that he prayed with sweat that came out with blood. That's how intense he was praying. Right? If anybody had an excuse at that moment to say, this is too hard, Jesus had that excuse to say, I do not want to bring this to completion. This is too tough to experience the wrath of God on me for things that I did not do for the sins of humankind. The work and the job that he was called to. No place to call home. Enduring hardship. His perfect choices, though, made a way of redemption for our bad ones. That's what we need to understand today. If we look at our decisions and at our will and we think I am hopeless, I make those excuses all the time. In fact, I'm already beginning to see the thorns in my life that are beginning to hurt me and crush me because of the ways that I've put things off and the ways that I've said, you know what, I don't need to do this today, maybe tomorrow, and I've been doing that for years, maybe it's been with sin, maybe it's been with things that we have to take care of in our life. And we look at our decisions now, we look at where we are and we say, I see the thorns of the decisions that I've made. They have borne fruit in my life. The consequences are here for me to bear. Then what we have today is an opportunity To no longer look inward because when we look inward, we may see a hopeless state, one that has made decisions, made, has has said things over and over again. We begin to believe the lie of ourselves, and we have seen the fruit that it has borne. But we have the opportunity to no longer look inward and today we have the opportunity to look outward. 
And say, who is the one who has made the perfect choices? Who is the one who is the wise persona embodied that I can say, give me wisdom? We have an opportunity to look outside of ourselves today and find that hope. When we come to Jesus and rest in his finished work, what we find is a transformed heart. And a renewed mind to be like him, to be holy like he is holy, to finish the race like he finished the race. A death to our old ways, our old excuses, and new life for new ways. In Colossians 3, it talks about being raised with Christ and what that means to have Holy Spirit and Fused power to live out the call that Jesus has called us to live. And in, in chapter 1, verse 23, it says this, Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. See, what happens is His work transforms us to an image of him that makes us not work for man. We don't work for our boss. We don't work for our spouse. We don't work for our kids. We don't work for perceptions. We don't work for accolades or worldly rewards. What happens is we begin to work for our king who worked harder and pushed through more than any of us could ever imagine. More than any of us will ever know. But with him as our audience, that changes our work life and it changes our habits. Whereas before I would say, you know what? I work hard because I I want this from this person or I want that. And maybe that wasn't good enough. And so that's why I was fine with the excuses. I was fine with the lies. I was fine with the postponements. But when I rest in the work of Jesus and he transforms my heart to an image of him, what happens is I begin to work only for the audience of one. That means I don't serve my wife so that my wife can be happy. I serve my wife so that I can bring glory to Jesus. I don't work in my job and not lie to my boss about sick days and clock in when I'm supposed to and clock out when I'm supposed to because I want to make sure I don't get fired. But it's because I want to bring glory to Christ in everything I do. I don't work hard because I want someone to pat me on the shoulder and say, good job, Justin. I work hard because he works so hard for me that I serve him into the best of my capabilities. I work for the audience of one. Can you stand and pray with me?